Our hymn asks a perfect question. How can we name a love? If I had to name this today, I would name the title of this message Persistent Love. Persistent Love. You see, early in this past week, I attended a special evening sponsored by Circles of Support and hosted by a church uptown in Harlem. Well, in fact, St. Philip's Episcopal Church in Harlem, where my husband serves as rector. I don't know if any of you have heard of Circles of Support, but Circles of Support is an organization that helps and advocates for those who were formerly incarcerated as they re-enter the community. And it's a way that gives many of them a way in which to find their voices and learn from their own challenges how to communicate their transformed lives to the community. So first, it was an evening that was just overwhelming and sense of the spirit that was present in the room. And it was that event that got me thinking about love as I began to pray on this message and for coming and standing with you here today, Christ Church, and then rethinking this text in John's Gospel. I was reading an opinion piece on John Coltrane's A Love Supreme. The opinion piece was entitled John Coltrane, The Power of a Love Supreme and the Call to Radical Discipleship. Began to be thankful and appreciative that God would send these messages along the way that continues to open up this love that is so big that God has for us that we can't do it justice by naming it. Yes, the former, a youth speaking on the panel, was an adolescent girl in my former church, someone I saw growing into her teenage years. I remembered her in bobby socks and pigtails. And in 2011, she was arrested and sent to Rikers Island, where she spent six months. As for the latter, the author, a pastor in North Carolina, in his opinion piece, writes, a love supreme is fierce, faithful, steadfast, and unmovable, and therefore is able to anchor us when we must weather the individual and corporate storms that assail us. But it, is also, but it also empowers us to build the bonds of solidarity, he writes, that will ultimately be the source of our shared prosperity and the sight of God's glory. So on this Sunday, in the season of Easter, the reading helps to give us both pause and perspective, the reading of the gospel. Pause and perspective on what it truly means to love as Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ. On this side of Easter season, we are called to revisit the upper room and that last evening when Jesus met with his disciples and had supper. It would seem strange to some in our time of celebrating the risen Christ that we'd be moving backwards in time to the moment when he shared these important words on love in order to prepare his disciples and his friends for the time he would have to leave them and be crucified. 
this text is sandwiched between that conversation Jesus had with Judas that all the other disciples were not privy to witness. Yes, the one before Judas heads off to do his dirty work. And the one before Peter is challenged by the triple denial of Christ. Jesus says these words to the disciples, recognizing full well their limitations. He was aware that following his absence, people will look for him and will not find him except for the Christ Jesus that others can see in us, in the disciples, and in the church when we love one another as our Lord loved us. So since it is clear that these disciples did not understand the nature of his glory, probably indicates they misunderstood the nature of the love about which Jesus spoke. This love has a wholly different quality to it than our mundane understanding of love. What we've touted as love sometimes reminds me of Tina Turner's notion of a second-hand emotion. Yeah, we, we think about love when we say we're not even realizing that we have such great appreciation for maybe our favorite cuisine or describing our favorite pastime or our fondness for a particular sporting team. Yes, sometimes we say love in those contexts. However, what the Savior is saying today, sisters and brothers, is more sacrificial than we could ever be. It is an act of divine grace, which he understands from a separate place and has different motivations altogether. Nothing to do about our favorite foods. Nothing to do about our all-time favorite movie. Nothing to do even about our favorite song. Yes, the one when it would come on, you could hear yourself say, that's my song. None of that. Not a love like that. A preacher once asked a vital question to challenge our understanding of the love that Jesus is trying to communicate. The question the preacher asks is, when we do love others well, what is that like? And just as much when we feel loved by someone, accepted for who we are, valued, honored, and cherished, what is that like? How does it change our lives? Yes, something about love here should be life-changing. Nikki Giovanni says we love because it is the only true adventure. Love should be an adventure. It's not always wrapped up and so pretty, but it takes us down the road that Jesus, in this sense, would have us to follow because it's not ours alone. The adventure comes when we're willing to share it. It's not ours to hoard, it's not ours to hide, but it's ours to share. And no matter what you say, yes, context is everything. Perhaps it was the intent of the lecture to give us a so-called Sankofa moment. Yes, that West African uh, notion of going back in order to understand where you're going. So yes, Jesus, in this moment, in our text for the day, is in the upper room, that place where we find him as he was there with his disciples before his crucifixion, before the resurrection. 
And yes, it may seem misplaced, but as we understand this moment when Jesus has devoted his singular attention to his disciples, not only to sup with them, but he washes their feet. And that's a big deal. We don't talk about it enough, but it's a very big deal to find his words wedged between Judas, who was headed off to do the dirty work of having him arrested and the betrayal of another yet to come. This mealtime conversation with his friends is a special one for multiple reasons. And so to examine its placement serves as a call to something more powerful, sacrificial, and yes, even radical. It is his persistence in love that allows him to be patient with their shortcomings. It is his persistence in love that gives him the ability to be gracious with their short-sightedness. It is the same persistence in love which grants them an opportunity to have him exclusively to themselves and receive his attention, devotion, mentorship, and love by having him wash their feet. This was not the duty of a king, but that of a servant. This is where we can see the words even by Dr. King come into life when King says love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love. In John's passage, Christ advises his disciples to live in community and share the love that he has shown to them. The love he expects they will live out before others was the love he'd lived before them. In this very moment, including the humility and washing their dusty feet, yes, this is the image and role of a servant leader, not a love based on an individual's merit. Remember John 3.16? From your days in Sunday school as a child, you remember John 3.16, don't you? Amen, somebody. John 3.16 is essential to this very moment in this gospel. The same gospel. Earlier on, we're told then and yes now, even as 21st century disciples, for God so loved the world that God gave the only son, the only one, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is a persistent love. It simply means to show forth the love of God in all things, in all places, in every person. Not the love that we've witnessed sometimes in humanity and among our human relationships, the love that we see broken at times from friendships that have gone awry and marriages that have ended. Not the kind of love that fails you or gives up on you, no, let me share with you what a persistent love will do. One of the panelists from the circle, circle of support, a mother, is now a supervisor on her job that involves housing issues and housing rights for others. She's able to care for her children. The children that on one of her particular visits, the trailer visits that the moms would have up at Belt, Bedford Hills Correctional Facility, her son, her little boy, didn't want to get on the van. He cried and he threw a tantrum 
And after she'd returned to her cell, they came and called for her and said that her son wouldn't get on the van. He didn't want to leave. She vowed from that day after they were able with her coaxing to get a little boy on the van so that he could go home in order to return to see her again. And she said, that's the love. The love that she witnessed in her son gave her the motivation to do what she needed to do to get out, to be freed and to be able to love on her children again. It was the love that she saw in her little boy that gave her the encouragement and the fortitude to continue to not only do her time, but to do it well enough that she would come out and again now become a supervisor on her present job, able to provide for her family. And as for my former congregant and youth, she is a 2016-17 Fulbright Scholar who traveled to South Africa to teach and now serves with the Center for Constitutional Rights. You see what persistent love can do? Persistent love is the kind of love that pursues you despite your flaws and your failings. Just as Jesus didn't allow the limitations of his disciples to stop him from loving them, you have to know that he knew Judas was his betrayer. You have to know that he knew Peter would deny him. But he loved them to the very end, just as he loved these women into the fullness of life. The kind of love that he shared with them, he asked the disciples to take out into the world. Because if people see that you're affiliated with me, they will know that, not by necessarily what you say, but how you live the love that I've given to you. It was that persistent love which offered them new opportunities in life for these women in prison. The ones on that panel that evening, just as Jesus offers to us, he offers that same persistent love, that same persistent love that won't let us go, the same persistent love that knows our past, knows our future, and stands with us in our present. It is a persistent love. And the question for you today, Christ Church, is will you have the courage to share it?